All right, good morning, North Point. How are we doing today? Okay, Amy got a better response than I did, but we'll work on that. So, <laughs> hey, glad you guys are here with us today. We are working through our Ask Alexa series. Uh, if you have the North Point app or get our Get to the Point weekly emails that we send out, you saw a few weeks ago uh, that we were taking a survey. Um, and we were asking you guys, what is it you want to talk about? What are the things that you want to know? What's important to you? And we gathered all of your opinions and information that you shared with us and we threw it away and ignored it. No, I'm just kidding. We took everything that you guys said for us and uh, we as a teaching team got together and talked about it and said, man, uh, they really care about these topics or these things are important to us. And we decided, hey, these are the topics that we're going to discuss uh, with our new Ask Alexa series. And the whole point of this is to find out what exactly does the Bible say about these things? Because we know that who you ask shapes the answers. Who you ask shapes the answers. A couple weeks ago, Rick kicked off our series talking about holiness. And then last week, Chris brought us in with uh, relationships. So uh, if you missed any of those couple of weeks because you went up to a cabin and did not invite me, be sure to check those out online or the North Point app. Uh, You can watch the video or podcast as well. But today, we are going to tackle this idea of identity identity. And so uh, keeping forward with our theme here, we're going to get some help from our friend Alexa. So Alexa. Hey, Alexa. Hello. (laughs) All right. Alexa, I want to know who am I? Your name is Jacob Howard. You were born in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1988 to Gary and Sheila. You were given the social security number of whoa, whoa, 582. Alexa stop. Alexa, stop. That's, that's a little more than we need to give away at this time. That's not exactly what I mean, Alexa. What I want to know is, uh, what is it that makes a person a person? The human body is made up of six elements. Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, okay, calcium, and carbon. Oh, I mean oxygen again. It contains 206 bones. Alexa, hold on. on. Alexa, stop. 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 That's not not quite what we're talking about here. What I want to know is, like, what is the core of who a person is? The human body is made up of 60% water. Okay, let's, let's, let's take a break from anatomy for a second here. What I want to know, Alexa, is, like, how do you find a person's identity? About 17.6 million Americans suffer incidents of identity theft. No, no. What, what I want to know is I want to know about, like, me. You have been given the social security number of five, Alexa, eight, stop. Two. Alexa, stop. That's what people want to, like, they're asking the questions. They want to know who they are. What is the core to their identity? Like, like who are you really? I'm Alexa. Okay. <laughs> that is super unhelpful, Alexa. Thank you for trying, but I will release you and all of your information out of here. Your social security number is Alexa, stop! Get out of here! (laughs) All right, apparently you guys like identity theft as much as she does, so that's nice. 
Uh, but we can see that who we ask begins to shape our answers. In fact, everywhere we go, people are trying to give us an identity. They're trying to identify who we are. Technology today uh, can grab your identity by your voice or your thumbprint or even scanning your face. Uh, the government identifies us with a social security number or our voting trends or even uh, what tax bracket we may fit into. Uh, businesses look at us as a consumer and they analyze our spending habits to find out uh, do we like to shop locally? Do we shop online? Are we a Prime member? Have we registered for such and such rewards program? And everywhere we go, people are using things to identify us by our hobbies, our favorite sports teams, where we live, our sexuality, our religion, our job, and a ton more Things. In fact, here recently as a staff, uh, we are updating our, our bios, our, our biographies to let people know more about us on our website. And so uh, they asked for a fun picture and just a few details of what makes you who you are. And so I thought about it for a while and gave myself a headache and uh, got my little snippets together there. And I thought one of the things I thought was important people know is that according to my driver's license, I have a motorcycle endorsement. Now I drive a scooter, but I have the motorcycle endorsement, so I'm forcing my way to be a part of that club, right? But all these things together, all these pictures together, only put together, put a, a painting of the picture of, of who we are, but none of these things seem to be what truly define us. And that's what we want to know, because if we believe that who we ask shapes the answer. And at North Point, we believe the Bible to be the Word of God, to be completely uh, inspired, to be holy, to be authoritative. So we want to look and see what does the Bible has to say about our identity. So we're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. Uh, Chris talked about these verses a little bit last week um, in the, the scope of relationships. Uh, but today we're going to look and see how this relates to us as individuals. Uh, the first few verses in the book of Genesis, or the first few verses in the book of the Bible talk about God creating everything. Uh, that God put the stars in the sky and he shaped and formed the earth and created water and, and plants and animals. And he looked at all these things as he was showing off his power and his creativity and he saw that they were good. He saw all these things were good. But on this last day of creation, God decided that he was going to create something special. In fact, the Bible says that God called it very good. And we'll grab here in verse 26 says this, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. See, in just these couple of verses, there is a lot of really great stuff that we can, we can pull from there. And the first thing that kind of sticks out to me is that the Bible says that God said we will create man in our image, in our likeness. And this is important because this is the first representation we get of the Trinity in the Bible. And if you haven't grown up in church before, we can tell you the Trinity simply states that God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that each person is completely God, and yet there is one God. Now you may be thinking, Jake, I didn't go to Bible college, and apparently you didn't take a lot of math classes while you were there, but that doesn't seem quite to add up. 
Like there's something off a little bit about that. And, and I'll be honest with you, the doctrine of the Trinity is, is incredibly difficult to even understand or, or, or grasp. At times I know growing up in church, uh, people like to say that the Trinity was like water. It could exist in, in, in a liquid form or, or solid or it could be gaseous. And there was just something that didn't sit right about saying God is gaseous to me. So that didn't seem to work out well. Or, or God is like an onion. He's got layers, but we know that's really Shrek, right? So we try all these different analogies to explain who God is and how he works in this trinity. And I'll be honest with you guys, I don't have the explanation that I can give to you. Because I think the doctrine of the trinity is something that is, that is above what we can begin to fully grasp. And, and while that may be something that can be scary at times, it's also something that I think should move us to a place of worship. Because a God that fits in my box that I can completely understand and explain is not a God that is worthy of my worship. But a God that is bigger than me, a God that is more vast than I am, that I'm more powerful, that, I, that is outside of my box and my realm, that is a being that is worthy of my worship. And all of this matters for us when it comes to identity because it's telling us that the entirety of God designed and poured their image into you. Think about that. The entirety of God designed and poured their image into you. And if we break down the Hebrew, uh, when it talks about image and likeness, it gives us this idea that we are similar to, but not identical to the thing that we represent. I always like to think of this as a mirror, right? As a mirror, because we can see our reflection in there, but it's not, it's not another me necessarily in that mirror. And when I think about this idea, uh, I go back to my six-year-old self, and I begin to think of one of the greatest movies to ever be displayed on television, The Lion King, right? It's in, it's, a, it's in theaters right now, right? Has anybody gone and seen The Lion King? Yeah? All right. If you haven't gone, be a better husband than I am. Take your wife. Okay. Make sure she enjoys that. It's still going on. But I think of The Lion King because there's a scene in it when uh, the main character, Simba, is having an identity crisis. He's not sure who he is. He's got all these insecurities that he's carrying around, and other people are, are trying to put an identity on him and tell him who he should be and, and what he should do, and he's just unsure of it. And so uh, he gets this wise, sage advice from a baboon, right? And he takes him to a river and he says to look at his reflection. And when he looks down there, he sees himself and he, he walks away disappointed and he says, oh, I see failure. I don't like what I see. It's, it's no good. And so he, he tells him to look harder. And so he looks down in the river again and instead of seeing his face this time, he begins to see the image of his father. He sees his dad when he looks down in there and his dad begins to tell him what his identity is, that he's a part of, of this family for generations to come. And they do all these special effects if you've seen the play and it's a really cool thing. And, and while that's just a Disney movie at the same time, it's what reminds me that, that I am the image bearer of God, that I am an image bearer of my Father, that I get to be His reflection to the world. Now there's a lot of times that we don't necessarily feel like image bearers. We don't feel like we bear the image of God. We have all of these different insecurities and we worry about how others perceive us and what the rest of the world thinks and how they're going to identify us. And so we try to change who we are. We try to change this identity. Uh, we try to change how we, how much money we make or how we spend our money. We physically will change our appearance to meet what somebody else says we should be or how we should feel. We change where we live and how we spend our time based upon how others perceive us. And so we begin to change this identity. We compare ourselves against other people and not the fact that we are image bearers 
of God. Our identity and our value begin in the fact that we are image bearers of God. In fact, we can pull from this text that you don't even have to be a Christian, a Christ follower, to be an image bearer of God. You just have to be human. And from looking around in here, unless somebody snuck in like a dog, I would say that would encompass all of us in this room, that we all get to be image bearers of God. In fact, the scripture tells us that we were created above all of God's creation. That of everything God created, only you and I were given the image of God. And that a universe full of celestial bodies, as beautiful as they may be, they do not have the image of God. And the natural beauty of this earth is majestic, but yet it does not bear the image of God. And there are billions upon billions of plants and animals covering this planet, and yet not a single one of them bears the image of God. And yet you and I are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation, that we get to bear the image of God. And just a few chapters later, Genesis goes on to tell us that while we may be image bearers of God, that we have a problem that comes in the way. Something that begins to distort that image and that sin enters the picture and it's begun to blur this image of God, right? So we write this image of God and we'll put a little sad face on there for us, right? This image of God begins to get blurred, Now, that doesn't remove the image of God. I can still see myself in that reflection, but it's just not as clear as it once was before. You guys can think of it like this way. Um, A lot of times we get ready in the morning, we get a shower, and there's steam going all over in the bathroom, and we get out, and we try to brush our teeth or put makeup on or whatever it is that we do. We look in the mirror, and it's all fogged up, right? We can see that we're kind of in there, but we got to get a towel or a squeegee to kind of, you know, clear it up and... There you are, right? And like have this whole image on there, right? It's blurry for a little bit until we can clear it up. And so we need someone or something that's going to come into our life and begin to clear away that blurriness. That's going to get rid of the distortion that's happened with our image bearers. And so what we have is that in the Trinity, the Father sends the Son, Jesus, the God-man, to come to earth. And there's no fault in him. There's no blurriness. He is the perfect image of God. And he comes and he lives a perfect life. There's no fault in him. And yet he takes our penalty and he takes our place for our sin and dies upon a cross, defeats death three days later so that in him we can find redemption and forgiveness and we can begin to clear up this image that's got distortion on it. And having that relationship with God through Jesus is as easy as A, B, and C. It simply means that we ask forgiveness. That we believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. We believe that Jesus took our penalty in place and we confess him as Lord and Savior. It's A, B, and C. And when we do that, look at what it tells us in Colossians 3, 9 and 10. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, the old image with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, Paul is talking to the Colossian church here about redeeming our image as image bearers of God because of Jesus. And he uses the phrase renewed in knowledge. And what he's talking about there is he's saying the more that we know 
And the more that we grow in relationship with Jesus, the more we begin to think and act and be like Jesus. We begin to mirror Jesus to the rest of the world. He put it this way in 1 Corinthians 3.18. Paul also said, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He's saying that as we grow in our relationship with God through Jesus and through his Holy Spirit, that we also grow in this reflection of his image to the entire world. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 29, that the goal for us is that we would become conformed to the image of the Son, Jesus. That we would be like Jesus to everybody else in the world. Now, we're not going to ever be fully restored to the image of God again until Jesus comes later on to establish his kingdom and permanency here on earth. But until that time, Christians, we have a purpose as redeemed image bearers of God. What is that purpose? What do we do? We find it here in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. It says this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that nobody can boast. In other words, you had nothing to do with it. It's all because of Jesus. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, Christian Christ follower, listen up. Hear this, okay? Because of the redeeming act that Jesus has done for you, you are now a representative of him to the rest of creation. The way that we treat other people says every single thing that they need to know about us and about God. See, we tend to forget that to be an image bearer of God, you do not have to be a Christ follower. You do not have to be a Christian. You just have to be human. There is value to each and every single person because they are an image bearer of God, whether they've been redeemed or not. See, Christians, when we get hung up on people's activity, it's because we forget that their identity is an image bearer of God. See, I see this more than anywhere else uh, when I look on social media. All the time on Facebook or or any other platform, you tend to see all the time that whatever the latest sports or political or social issue that comes up, that people are just angry. People are venomous to one another. Whether they're a Christian or not, they are just angry online to one another. Nobody's listening to each other, but yet everybody has something to say. And so earlier this week, as I'm kind of reading through some things, uh, I, I was on Twitter, which is my favorite social media platform, and I follow this account called The Church Curmudgeon, okay? It's, it's a joking uh, parody account about grumpy people in church. It's hilarious, okay? So I'm following it online, and he posts this for us. You are made in the image of God. And so is the jerk you're arguing with. Like, I just die laughing. You can see I retweeted it. I thought that was hilarious, right? And it kind of hits the nail on the head here, because the reality is it doesn't matter where you stand on that issue or that political thing. It doesn't matter what you voted for. Christian, your response is to be one of love towards another image bearer. 
to be love towards another image bearer. It doesn't matter if you or somebody else voted for Donald Trump or if you voted for Hillary or if you're pro-stand or if you're pro-kneel or, or if somebody joins a pride rally or if they pick it outside of Planned Parenthood. Christian, your response is to be of love towards another image bearer. Now, I'm not saying that social issues aren't important. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do anything about the issues that we face in the world or in our country. The Bible says a ton about justice. But what I am saying is this, that how you respond to another image bearer, whether they are a Christ follower or not, needs to be in love. Jesus says it best in John 13, 35, when he says this. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus didn't say it was the people who had the right answers. Jesus didn't say that it was the people that looked or talked a certain way. Jesus didn't say that it was the people who lived in a good school district. He said that it was by the way that you love another image bearer. Christian, it is not our job to convince people that they have sin in their life. It is not our job to convince people that they need Jesus. In fact, that is the Holy Spirit's job. And in truth, he is a whole lot better at it than I am. When I try to do those things, I get pushy and I get mean and I get commenting on Facebook posts that I shouldn't. But the Holy Spirit is much better at it. Our job is to love God with all that we are and to love another image bearer, every single person that walks God's green earth as much as we love ourselves. And in truth, guys, I like myself a lot. (laughs) So I got a lot of love that I need to give to other people. When we do that, God is glorified and the world begins to stop and take notice. Imagine if you walked into your office or, or your job site or wherever you work tomorrow and you decided that you are going to be the most loving person there, including that coworker who is pro whatever you're not. You just decided that you are going to love them tomorrow and not just tomorrow, but day after day after day. You are just going to love them with everything you got. How would they react to that? What would they think? So you may hear that and you may stop and think, wait, why would I have to do that? Why would I have to actually like love on and invest in somebody else's life? Like, isn't it easier to just like not be a jerk to them? Like they go, they do their thing over there. I do mine over here. We just avoid each other. We all get along. Like, isn't that much easier? Why would I actually need to get involved in somebody's life? And the answer to that is very simple. It's because Jesus did. It's because Jesus did. Because at one point in time, we were the polar opposite of who Jesus is. And yet he still came down into all of our junk and loved us in a way that this world has never seen. And yet it cost him greatly. Greatly. See, if we bear the image of God, if we've been redeemed back to God by his son, then we have to show a real representation of God's image to the world. The entire human race was created in God's image, and yet sin came along and muddied it up. And Jesus came and cleared off that mud with his blood. 
And for those of us that have been redeemed, he has sent us with a mission. He has left us with a calling to let others see him through our love for them. See, our identity is rooted in this. And write it down, highlight it, take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. But remember this, guys. We are all image bearers of God. We have value because of that. And the way that we love others reflects the value we have for God because those same others bear his image. Jesus said it best, by this all people, every image bearer will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So then the question begs, who do you need to love like an image bearer today?